Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. We're so glad you've joined us today along our journey as we reach people to reach their purpose. The title today is When the Going Gets Tough. So if you have your Bible, 2 Chronicles 32 is where we're going to be looking. We're in this series called Step On It. And... Um, uh, talking about moving from surface to substance, that we would have depth in our walk with Jesus. And one of the things that substance uh, identifies is what we're able to accomplish. And I believe that when we have deep roots in Jesus, we can do hard things. How many believe that? And we can press through in the hard times, the difficult places, that we would not give up easy, we would not be put out quickly, but that we would be able to do hard things, tough things for the glory of God. Here's Hezekiah, uh, my, uh, my favorite king in the Bible. Uh, king of Judah, Hezekiah, uh, I, I say he's my favorite king, and I have to acknowledge he did not end as well as he started. So you know, there's part of it where it's like, it could have been better. But this part of he, this part here and uh, his beginning, here's Hezekiah, uh, talks in uh, Second, Chron- Second Chronicles 32, 1 to 5. Uh, after Hezekiah had faithfully carried out this work, the work of reforming uh, the temple and uh, uh, tearing down the idols. He did all the right stuff. When he had finished doing all the right stuff, King Shennacherib of Assyria invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified towns, giving orders for his army to break through their walls. When Hezekiah realized that Sennacherib also intended to, to attack Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and army advisors, and they decided to stop the flow of the springs outside the city. So their first plan is to stop the water that is flowing outside the city. So they organized a huge work crew to stop the flow of the spring, cutting off the brook that ran through the fields. For they said, why should the kings of Assyria come here and have plenty of water? So they dig the tunnels, they dig dig and reroute the water. Verse 5, then Hezekiah worked hard. Somebody say worked hard. Hezekiah worked hard at repairing the broken sections of the wall, erecting towers and constructing a second wall outside the first. He also reinforced the supporting terraces in the city of David and manufactured large numbers of weapons and shields. I want to speak today when the going gets tough. God help us when the going gets tough. Raise your hand if you've ever faced a tough point in life. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Raise your hand if that was before you became a Christian. Raise your hand if it was after you became a Christian. I love how some of you kept your hands up the both times. Yes and yes, that we go through tough things, but God is our help. Amen? So, Lord, give us grace today, strength. God, I thank you that we can accomplish great things through you. God, I pray that when the going gets tough, God, I pray that we would not lose sight, but that we would trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't be afraid of work. And you may be seated. Don't be afraid of work. When the going gets tough, I want to hopefully today uh, give you some uh, encouragement, but some handles on life's moments when it gets tough, what to do. Uh, If you're in a tough spot, I hope you can use this. If you're not, you're going to need it. Um, It's life's moments that become difficult. The pressure, sometimes life itself bringing its own pressure. We realize and being honest that in our human nature, we have an aversion to doing difficult things. If it's difficult, if it takes too long, if it's it's too much work, 
we, we tend to find a reason not to do it. We, we, we have an aversion sometimes to doing difficult things. But if we're going to have a faith that has substance, to have deep roots, if we're going to have substance to our faith, that we're going to produce things with our faith, it's going to require being tough through the moments that are difficult. It's going to require doing hard things, doing difficult things. So here's number one. When things get tough, when the going gets tough, number one, determine what it's worth. Determine what it's worth. Every time you evaluate something, what is worth it? I was uh, making plans. Jody and I have some property behind us, and, and uh, the property that we have, that, that if we clear it, it gives us a direct view of the Jamonville Cross. And uh, it's one of those areas uh, for me, I thought if we could clear that, it would just look cleaner, look nicer. And so I don't have huge machinery, but I've got a, a push mower, I've got a, a, a chainsaw, I've got some rakes and shovels, and I've got some uh, basic things to be able to clear this, this growth take down some trees, get rid of some of the, the, the growth that's there and clear a spot that we could have a direct view of the, the cross, that we could sit out back, enjoy this space, enjoy the area. I had plans. It's going to be about this big. It's going to go from here to there. And I had it all worked out in my head. It didn't seem like much. Then as I began the day, having the day I had to work on it, I started the project and the plan went from this to, that's enough. So I got a spot right now that is cleared. That'll do. I can see the cross. I had a bigger plan, but how many know when it got difficult, I changed my plan. When it got difficult, I rearranged my thought, my idea. And oftentimes, the enemy comes with us with pressure. And the moment it gets tough, he tries to convince us that that was a good idea. Nice thought, but it's not going to work. It was a good idea to believe God could do that, but it's not going to happen. It's nice to think that he could heal your marriage, but that's too difficult, too far gone. It's nice to believe that God could change the condition of, of your situation or that, that circumstance. Believe that God could change poverty in Fayette County, but it's been generations and there's a condition that's not going to work. It's too tough. It's too difficult. It's too hard. The enemy will always do whatever he can to change your plans. To make you shrink your vision, shrink the dream, believe, and just make it manageable. Do you know it doesn't take much substance of faith if you can manage it? If it's something you can figure out, you can, you can figure this all out and put it all together. It doesn't become something that's easy. Now, I realize I changed my plan from it was going to clear out about a space. I can't even tell you. I don't know, but it's not that size. I changed it. You might say, well, you're lazy. No, I'm efficient. You see, efficiency is what I call it. Efficiency is code word for looking for the way to do it without little effort. How many know we love efficiency? Now, listen, when it comes to physical labor, I believe that if I know somebody who has machinery, why would I keep carrying this rake and shovel when I know somebody who's got something bigger than me and I would rather have them? I think efficiency works whenever you've got machinery to save the back trouble. Absolutely. But when it comes to the spiritual things, don't trade the efficiency for effectiveness of what God wants to accomplish in your life. The easy way out is not always the best way. And oftentimes we look for the easy way out. I, I want to say to you today, don't look for easy, look for empowerment. When I look for easy, I look for something to be done with little effort. But when I look for empowerment, I look for what God has enabled me to do. 
You see, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God fell on them on the day of Pentecost, and that the church was birthed, and the church was birthed by the Spirit of God now dwelling inside of us. The Spirit of God that dwelt in the Ark of the Covenant now doesn't just dwell in the Ark of the Covenant, now dwells in each and every one of us, and one day will dwell in, 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 uh, in heaven that we'll be with him forever and we, in the, the streets of gold. But right now, his presence dwells in each and every one of us who are filled, who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. The old is gone and the new has come. The new is that the Spirit of God lives inside me. Well, what is the Spirit of God doing? It brings me to life and it allows me to live in the purpose that he's called me to. It makes it possible now to do difficult things in life. He makes it possible. Now, just because things are hard doesn't mean when I have the Spirit of God that it gets easy. It just means it's possible. Because when I don't have the Spirit of God, it's impossible. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. That I know the effectiveness that I allow that, that work to be in me is effective. That I'm seeking for empowerment. When I have empowerment, I can know where God is ordering my steps. And if he goes before me, though it's difficult, though it's, though, though it's tedious at times, I know that if he is for me, then who can be against me? And if it is his word, it will not fail, but he will accomplish it. And so I'm standing on his word, difficult things. It's important that we learn how to do difficult things. Here's Hezekiah's prayer in Isaiah 37. This is the, the same story now told in Isaiah. And Hezekiah, when he has the oppression or, or the, the, uh, uh, the siege of the Syrian army, the Syrian army sets a siege that they press in and they come against I don't know, maybe for you, the enemy has pressed in on you and made you feel like in your marriage there's pressure. There's mar in, your, in your relationships or in your finances or something, there's this pressure. And here's Hezekiah is feeling the pressure and he says this in prayer to the Lord in Isaiah 37, verse 3. He said, it is like a child ready to be born, but the mother has no strength to del deliver him. What is the delivery process? It's called labor. It's called work. It's called an effort. It, it's, it's at the most critical point. Don't give up. At the most critical time when this is the point that matters, don't give up. Don't lose strength in that moment when, the, when it's pressing and coming against that we've got to be realizing it's worth it. It's worth it. The, every mother knows it's worth it. The pain, but it's worth it. It's, it's those places that we go that we realize it's worth it. Here's number two. We've got to dig down to the source. Whenever the oppression comes and the, the enemy comes against, the, the siege comes against Jerusalem, the Bible says that Hezekiah sought the wisdom of their military and they agreed together to shut off the source, the flow of water. And so they began to reroute the water. Well, to reroute the water, they had to dig a tunnel. And they literally had to dig to move, to move the water. Dig deep to the source. Two reasons that they shut off the flow to the water. Number one, they said, why would we let water run through our city and out to the field where the Assyrians are going to set up? Why should we give them water? Because if we shut the water off to them, how many know we're no longer feeding the enemy? I want to say to some of us in the room today, stop feeding the enemy. Stop giving the enemy flow in your mindset and thoughts and, and things that we open the door to the enemy. That is so crucial. Shut that, 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 that flow out to the enemy. And here's the other reason. Because if that water is flowing out, it becomes an inway or a road in for the enemy to now attack. Because now the enemy can come through the aqueduct, which is how David got into Jerusalem through the Jebusites. That's how he set up Jerusalem. He would attack through the waterway. And so when they shut off the flow to the enemy, they no longer served the enemy and they didn't give the enemy any access in. 
What are some things that need to be shut off? That, that place that we've got to dig deep, but it's not enough to just shut it off. They then had to dig into a place and reroute the water. Do you know that this is, this is, this is shown in engineering history as one of the, the biggest and most extreme engineering pieces that have ever been done? And it was in Judah, the smallest nation. Hezekiah's tunnel. You can look it up. I walked it a couple years ago when I was in Israel. I walked the Hezekiah's tunnel, and they literally chiseled out 1,700 feet of rock to reroute the water. I had a hard enough time with my shovel and rake moving some dirt. But they chiseled rock, 1,700 feet of rock. Do you think that was hard? The difficulty. I, this is work. They chiseled 1,700 pieces of rock, and, and they moved and rerouted the water. Here's because they cut off the enemy, and they dug and rerouted the source. I want to say to you today that we need to dig deep to the source, the source who is Jesus Christ. Let me say this to you today. Before you go left and right, go deep. Before you go left and right, go deep. Now, let me explain that. Left and right represents what we can do in our abilities and good deeds. Oh, it's good to do left and right. Do good deeds, go to church, tithe, good people, serve the poor. We do things. It's good to do left and right. The only problem is if you haven't drilled deep, you're going to hit a moment that if you're not anchored to a source, you're going to have moments in life where it feels like you might as well give it up because left and right's not working. I have watched too many people become disillusioned in their walk with Jesus because they came to a place that they couldn't good deed themselves out of trouble. In a moment of, God, why would you let this happen to me? I'm a good person. I go to church. I pray. I've been doing good things. And somehow this aspect and this thought of, God, I'm a good person. How can bad things happen to me? And becoming disillusioned because now their roots are left and right. But left and right doesn't allow anything to be anchored and to be deep. That when they go deep, do you know that the oak tree has the strongest root system? It's a tap root system. And the, the oak tree is the strongest tree that stands because its tap root system goes down to the water source and does not go left and right until it hits a water source. It doesn't move in any other direction until it hits the water source. Why? Because if I hit the water source, I know where I'm anchored. And yes, some things come against me, but I know in whom I believe and I'm anchored in Christ. My source is not taken. My source doesn't come because I'm good or because of anything I can do. My source is because I am anchored in Jesus Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I am anchored and deepened in the knowledge of who I am in Christ. And I'm not built on what I do. I'm built on who I am in Christ. You see, left and right is who I am. I'm good deeds. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. And things that are moving left or right. I've got, I've got all this stuff, my identity, all of these things that is, that is put within what I do and who I am. Your left and right cannot sustain you. But when you go deep in Christ, it'll sustain you. It'll sustain you through every trial, through every turbulence, through every siege that the enemy tries to bring against you. And so we've got to dig. And there are moments that dig is not easy. It's not easy. It's hard work to, to press in. It's hard work to keep standing when it feels like giving up. It's hard work to feel like keep trusting. 
It's hard work to keep forgiving. It's hard work sometimes to keep standing in a place of trusting, believing God's going to change and, and make something different. But we, we stand in a place of being sustained. Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew 13, 20, it says, The seed fell on rocky soil, and it represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, did you catch it? Since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. As soon as persecution comes in. And here's sometimes persecution. It's not the persecution that we know that happens in other countries, which is real persecution. There's persecution that is happening today. Uh, People that we we hear uh, regularly, missionaries that we're connected with that are praying, hey, pray for these families, uh, these national families that have been either uh, captured or different things, it really goes on. The persecution we know is not so much that persecution for our faith. Here's the persecution we know. It's spiritual, which it's all spiritual, the spiritual attack of the enemy. But the persecution we have is the persecution of believing God's word, where I believe that if I ask anything in his name, it shall be done. But then why didn't it happen the way I believed And therefore, since it didn't happen the way I believed, now all of a sudden, this pressure comes against us. And the enemy tries to do whatever he can to discourage and to take us out. Do you know that when the enemy sets up the siege, the word siege means to be surrounded by pressure. The enemy sets up a siege not to break in because he knows he can't break in. He just tries to break you down. Let me say that again. The enemy is not trying to break in. He's just trying to break you down. He's not trying to break in. He's trying to break you down. Because whoever is covered by the blood of Jesus, the enemy has no power. The blood of Jesus, he cannot cross. He cannot cross. The blood of Jesus has final say. So the enemy knows he can't break in because the power of the blood is too much. So he can't break in. So he'll try to break you down. He'll try to get you to a place that, hey, just come out. Just surrender. Just just give up. Here's number three, decline the self-preservation When the enemy builds the siege, the pressure that's all around, his tactics are lies and threats. Here's what he says in Isaiah 36. This is Isaiah telling the same story that we read in 2 Chronicles. The enemy says this to the people of Judah. Don't listen to Hezekiah. These are the terms that the king of Assyria is offering. Make peace with me. Open the gates and come out. Then each of you can continue eating from your own grapevine and fig tree and drinking from your own well. Then I will arrange to take you to another land like this one, a land of grain and new wine, bread and vineyards. Now this is coming from the messenger of the king of Assyria. Now the king of Assyria is saying to the people of Judah, just come out, just let, just come on out. You can eat from your own fields and your own vines. We'll take care of you. And then later we'll take you to another place just like this one. How many know that's called a lie of the enemy? And his tactic was, we'll take you to a place like this one with what? Grain and wine. We'll take you to a place with grain and wine. As I was reading this, it struck me that he says, and then we'll come and get you and take you to a place like this one. With grain and wine. Well, this one where I am is the promised land that God gave me. And the promised land wasn't first a place of grain and wine. But God said, I'll take you to a place of flowing with what? Milk and honey. The enemy will always promise you grain and wine. Well, God always says, I'm giving you milk and honey. 
You say, well, what's the difference? Milk and honey has to do with nurturing. Milk and honey has to do with beginnings. When you have milk and when you have honey, it's, it's a nurturing. It's a, it's a place of, of developing. It's a place of, 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 of work. It's a place of nurturing. But the enemy wants to trick you and say, no, you don't need to nurture. You can just have it right off the bat. I'll just give you grain and wine right away. How many know you don't get grain and wine without growing and nurturing the ground to get grain and wine? Here's the point. The enemy was tempting them with self-preservation. Just look out for yourself. Take care of yourself. I totally believe in self-care. I think we need to honor the Sabbath and take care of ourselves. But I wonder sometimes if we've gotten so good at looking out and taking care of ourselves. That we get so good at looking for ourselves that now it shouldn't take any effort, shouldn't take any work. Because we've been convinced that it ought to just be easy. I shouldn't have to work hard. (laughs) I uh, saw this on the news, maybe you saw it. This girl was, they showed a video, I guess a TikTok or something. This girl was, was uh, saying that the interview that she had, that the people were not being empathetic with her. And they were not showing empathy. And the reason they didn't show empathy is they didn't understand her syndrome that was related to time blindness syndrome. And time blindness syndrome meant that she asked the question, if I have a problem being on time or if I'm late, what will the consequences be or will that be a problem? And they said, yeah, if you're late, that'll be a problem. And she said, they didn't even take into account that I have a t- Basically what she was saying was, I have a problem telling time and I'm always late. And they didn't give me any grace for always being late. I'm not making this up, y'all. I saw this. That there's this attitude of, well, I shouldn't have to work. Shouldn't take effort. I should be able to have whatever condition I have and everybody just work around the condition. No, whatever condition I have, I lay before the one who is able to declare victory and wholeness and whatever the enemy tries to bring in, the enemy just wants to try and fool you with self-preservation. Just take care of yourself. I'll take you to a place of grain and wine. No, God says I promise you a place of milk and honey. A place of milk and honey. The significance of milk and honey is that he will provide for you. But you're still going to have to nurture the ground and work and have some responsibility. Whenever Hezekiah sought the Lord, the Lord intervened. We're going to hit that in a moment. But while he was waiting for God to intervene, what was he also doing? Digging the trench. He's waiting for God to intervene. God, there's a siege against us. The enemy is pressing against us. The enemy is pressing against us. And while he seeks the Lord, he's digging. He's digging. He's digging. They're pushing through 1,700 feet of rock. And they keep moving. Why? Because I'm not giving the enemy any foothold. I'm not giving him a way in, and I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep try- I'm going to keep doing the hard thing. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep praying for. It. I'm going to keep standing on. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep declaring. I'm going to keep holding on to. I'm going to keep doing the hard thing. 
not self-preservation. I have a friend of mine, he's recovering right now. In fact, his wife just sent a text during the, in between the services. He's doing well. Uh, he uh, had his surgery that went from morning till night, uh, removing cancer. They got all of the cancer. It's been a good report. And they had him up the next day walking. He's been under uh, surgery a whole day, and he's moving. And I said, well, how's the pain? He said, well, I'm feeling it. How's the medicine? He said, I turned it down. Okay. He said, I guess there's something to being a stubborn Marine. He's told me before the stories of Vietnam and stuff that he's dealt with and what he's experienced. He said, by the grace of God, I've got a pain tolerance. He said, I got a pain tolerance. He said, so I know I feel the pain, but I don't feel the pain the way others feel it. He said, I've learned to feel the pain and know that it's all leading to my healing. I don't know about you on a scale of 10 to 0 how's the pain 8 do you want medicine yes can I have more why because we've been convinced that you can take enough medicine to make the pain go away in fact the opioid epidemic that is in America is because we were fooled and lied to and told an ungodly truth that you shouldn't have any pain Where'd that take us? To a dependency. Why? Because now we've learned to say, yeah, pain is good. You can't get to a place where you don't have a pain. You get to a place where you got to press through the pain. You get to a place you got to push through. You got to keep moving. Yeah, this is uncomfortable. This this doesn't feel good. But it's not comfortable. But if I'm going to have substance in my faith, I've got to press through the pain. Now listen, some would say, well, the pain is what makes you. See, your faith is not built by pain. What? That's a cruel God. I'm going to build up your faith, and so there you go, out to the lions, have at it. No, he said, I'm going to send you out. I'm going to send you out like lambs among wolves. But when he said that, he wasn't, good luck. See if that really makes you. He said, no, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. You have the ability. And even though you walk in a place that tries to overtake you, it will not overtake you. That my spirit is inside of you. And he builds us up with all the good stuff. So here's the thing. He builds us up with his presence, the power of God, the things of God. You're not made by what you go through. What's inside of you is revealed by what you go through. Let me say that again. You're not made by what you go through. What's inside of you is revealed by what you go through. You're not made by problems. Problems reveal what's inside of you. When you hit problems, because it's not this, it, what, a, what a cruel God. Well, you know, God's just doing that for a reason, for your good. The worst advice you could ever give somebody that's going through a loss or a difficult thing, God's going to use this, make you stronger. You say, well, doesn't it pay off? In a roundabout way, but God doesn't cause trouble. God gives grace and strength. Trouble happens because we live in a world that is broken and fallen. And so you're not made by trouble. You are made by the Spirit of God. And because you're made by the Spirit of God, you can press through in troubled times. Can I say that again? You're not made by trouble. You're made by the power and the presence of God. And what's inside of you is revealed because of what you're able to walk through. You can go through tight places. You can go through difficult things. You can go through the stuff that would try to overtake you even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But who I, I've got substance. And because of that substance, the enemy tries to come against 
but I can press on. I want to give you this and we're going to close. Decline the self-preservation. Here's the last thing. Depending on the word of God, Hezekiah calls out to God. And as he calls out to God, the Lord, of course, intervenes. And as the Lord intervenes, here's what you need to know. That whatever weapon the enemy brings against you, it's just the weapon God's going to use to go back on him. Listen what Psalm 76, I, I believe it is. But the, yeah, Psalm 76.10 says, Human defiance only enhances your glory, for you use it as a weapon. So the attacks of the enemy, I know it's human defiance, but the, the things that would come against us, this is Assyria is oppressing, and we could say to Assyria, Hey, Assyria... You're only enhancing the glory of God and he's going to use this as a weapon to come back on you. In the history books of Assyria, each king had what was called the prisms. The prisms tell the story of the kings of Assyria. And if you look at the prism of King Sennacherib, he tells the story or it's told of his story that when the rebels began to rise up. Sennacherib takes the place of his father. His father puts him as the next king. It's the rightful thing. He's the next king. This is how his father introduces him. This is not in the Bible. This is in the prisms, the history. And so, but I want to remind you, history lines up with the word of God. If you don't believe the Bible's true, then you're ignoring history. Um, and so King Sennacherib is made king, and his father basically introduces him by saying, He's not as good as I am, but he's the best I got, so I don't even know if he'll be any good, but here he is. Basically how Sennacherib gets introduced. So Sennacherib is like, i got to show my stuff here. And so those who are around the, the, the other people, nations, Egypt and different people, they started saying, well, this is our moment. The dad is gone. This is when we can rebel. We're not going to pay tribute anymore. We're going to rebel. So they started to rebel. Sennacherib rose up and he made this statement and it's reported in his prism that this era was called rebellion extinguished by the flow of blood. Rebellion extinguished by the flow of blood. The rebellious nations were coming against Sennacherib and saying, we're not going to pay tribute. And so they began, he goes in and he dominates them much like his father, overwhelms him, overtakes him. He dominates, and they even take Israel, which Israel's now divided. The northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, Judah is where Hezekiah is. Now Judah, the small nation, is exposed because Israel's been defeated. And now the, the kingdom of Assyria is now coming and pressing against. And Sennacherib's plan was rebellion will be extinguished by the flow of blood. Isn't it interesting that the enemy said rebellion will be extinguished by the flow of blood. But our God took that weapon and turned it right back on him because rebellion will be extinguished by the flow of blood. How many knows a whole different flow of blood at the cross when Jesus turned that against that the whole work that tries to come against that whatever the enemy, do you realize, we realize this, that when Jesus was on the cross, the enemy thought, here we go, we have it, we got him under control. But how many know three days later, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it right back on him. I want to say to you today, whatever the enemy is using as a weapon against you, hold fast and trust your God because he's just going to turn it around and use that same weapon on the enemy that's trying to come against you. He's going to turn it back and turn it around that rebellion is extinguished by the flow of blood it says that as Hezekiah sought the Lord the Lord promised him 
that he would intervene. And while he's waiting for God to intervene, they keep digging. Listen what Isaiah says. Isaiah 37, the Lord answers Hezekiah's prayer and says, for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David, I will defend this city and protect it. I want to say to you today, for the sake of his name, he will, he will protect you and keep you. If you are in Christ, he's got you and he's covering you. He will protect you and defend you. I want you to know the Lord is your defender. He is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? He says that night, the angel of the Lord went out the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpse everywhere. They found the blood that was altogether different that took care of their rebellion, but this was the rebellion of Assyria. And when you read Assyria's account of this in the prisms of the king, it says that a pestilence came through and something came through and killed them. It doesn't dispute that these number of armies died. It just doesn't say it was an army of the Lord. How many know, I don't care if God uses rats, pestilence, termites, fever. I just know an angel of the Lord knows how to intervene and move on my behalf. How many believe there's a God that you can trust in? That when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift a standard against him. That he is your defender. He is keeping you no matter what the enemy brings against you. Here's what I want you to hear. That whatever the enemy's trying to bring against you, hold fast, stand in him. Because whatever that is will turn back and become a weapon used on him. That your God is for you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You You have a substance to be able to do things that are difficult and to stand in the oppressive work that the enemy, he might be throwing dirt at you. It's interesting that siege is made by dirt, being dirt ramps that are built up and pressed against the walls of the city. The enemy's trying to throw dirt at you, doing whatever he can to distract and break you down. But I want you to say today, my trust is in God. And because my trust is in God, I believe that I will persevere and I will overcome through the blood of Jesus. you believe that today? Would you stand with me all across this room? I'm going to invite our prayer team to come. We're going to sing this song that we just ended our worship time with. I'm asking our prayer team to come and all of our prayer team because in all of our services, we've been inviting people to come for prayer. Someone to agree with you today. You might be walking through something that's pressing. There's something that might be pressing against you and whatever that is, but you believe by God's grace you're going to stand firm, stand strong, and we believe deliverance. If it's in your body, maybe a physical condition, maybe it's in relationship, whatever it is, that there might be something that's hard. There's something difficult, but by God's grace, He is for you. Don't give up. Stand firm in the promise of God and allow God to intervene on your behalf. If you need prayer today, don't be shy. Don't stay back. I invite you to go. I believe there's breakthrough today. I believe there are marriages that were restored today. I believe there's bodies that are healed today. I believe there's turnaround that's happening today. Come on, let's press in. Let's dig.